Hello, this is Matt Hale with Art Monthly on Resonance 104.4 FM, bringing you a programme based upon the current issue, March 2012, number 354 of Art Monthly. And I'm joined today by Morgan Quaintance. Hello, Morgan. Hi, how's it going? All right, just about. Um, We're doing a piece... uh, Well, sorry, we are going to do a programme about your piece in the current issue. It's a feature called Private Moments, and the strap headline reads... Morgan makes the case for imaginative engagement as a form of participation. Now, just before we go any further, I'm going to say one thing while the listener is captured, which is that if they email subs at artmonthly.co.uk, they will get a 30% discount off an Art Monthly magazine subscription. You also get access to all our digi- a lot of digital back issues. Not all, but nearly all. We go back to 76, so it'll be rather a lot. But there's a hell of a lot up there, and you get that with a sub. So you get, kind of get two subscriptions and a resource to uh, search things. And you'll be able to, for instance, search all the articles that Morgan has written and reviews that he's written for us over... I don't know how long you've been writing for us now. Do you know? Nearly a year. It'll be a year Is in that April. all? Yeah. Blimey. This feels like longer. <laughs> I don't mean that rudely. <laughs> well, you've been on this programme before, haven't you? Yeah. Now, what we want to do in this programme, as we have discussed a little bit before, is try and get across most of your ideas, if we can, f- from the feature, because we've got half an hour and there's just you and me. So um, what we'll just start off at the beginning. I'm, I'm going to say, um, basically, um, you, you say the development of participation as a key element in contemporary art of the 20th century, accelerating rapidly from the 1960s onwards, has ultimately led to three approaches to engagement in the 21st century. So you're talking about participation, as in who participation by who? Okay, so uh, to start off with, um, participation uh, presupposes, or I suppose, um, what's an easier way of stating that? Participation is founded on the expectation by the artist when creating an artwork that there will be a human being to complete the work. And that means a human being will be physically present within a space and actively participating in the making of the work or the completion of the work. Right, so complete, that's quite key then, that word completion. Yeah. So, yeah, so basically the artwork isn't finished or it isn't isn't complete unless somebody activates it. And that somebody is, okay, a gallery goer. That's what we could say. It's it's a depoliticised way of viewing somebody who goes into a gallery. But let's say the politicised view of referring to a gallery goer is as a spectator. Okay. So what happens is uh, the spectator comes to the gallery and will be privy to an experience with, let's say, three different strands of physical engagement. That will be either installation art, um, and we can think of installation art as, say, um, immersive environments that are designed uh, to subsume the body within their structure or to make the person more aware of their physical surroundings. Um, And we can look at maybe installations by people like Robert Morris, the minimalist installations which are designed to sort of... um, uh, calm people? Well, no. I, I don't necessarily calm, but probably don't have to go too much into it. But they're, 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 <laughs> basically, you, you go into the space and you're enveloped in some way. It affects you in some way. Yes. Um, and then you have like uh, other installations like uh, the Coral Reef by um, Mike Nelson, yeah. um, which is like a, a I, I call them like grotto works. Basically, it's like people make um, a large space look like somewhere else. And what it's um, founded on is the idea that you'll go in there and you'll just believe that you're in the same place so mike nelson's coral reef is this um uh construction of different rooms that look like cab offices or, or cab offices or i guess some um, spaces that 
we, we know might be in the back room of a cab office and yeah. the idea is that you go in and you just feel it's a cab office you don't think it's an art installation yeah it sounds but, like realism or something actually, yeah that but yeah that's maybe, okay yeah um, and so anyway so these are two things that's yep. installation art then you have interactive art which we recognize as um uh things that are meant to be manipulated or touched or activate activated by the gallery goer so that could be let's say um a piece of software that means that tells a computer screen or tells something to react to your movement. So you move your hand across a piece of a, a TV screen or, or something, and it changes colour because you've done that. So we'd call that uh, that's interactive art. There's lots of different ways interactivity can be inflected, but usually it's to do with you physically manipulating something. And then we've got socially engaged um, art. So socially engaged art. Um, has been going for a long time in isolated incidents, but it really seemed to crystallise um, uh, for a lot of people in the book written by Nicola Burrio, which is called Relational Aesthetics. Um, where I guess people have um, substituted the art object uh, or um, in exchange for well, social exchange, having discussions with people, cooking for them, uh, taking like Rick Tiraviano, like Rick Tiraviano, yeah, Tiraviano, sorry, <laughs> yeah, sorry, um, I name yeah. So those are the three different strands of okay. um, participation with a physical bias. Yeah, that's yep. that's. I think that's probably quite key to what you want to then to talk about, which we won't talk straight away about. But okay. that, like what I mentioned earlier is being possibly the fourth way, mm-hmm. which sounds. But you mentioned also that there have been critics of this idea. Yeah. Okay. That, that participatory. Art, you actually say there have been critics of this idea that participatory art encounters are catalytic moments in which the apolitical sleeper awakes. Yeah. Okay. So basically, I think. A lot of the idea of the spectator comes from theatre. Well, it seems to come from theatre, or the idea that um, the critics of uh, the, the critics of um, the theatrical spectacle, uh, in that it's a kind of form of escapism that um, scholarly elites uh, view with disdain. So, in um, Jacques Rancière's *The Emancipated Spectator*, he traces that back to Plato, who um, has critical things to say about the theatre. Which is interesting because that people would use um, him to talk about theatre today because obviously they're completely different things. But basically, at the early part of the 20th century, we had two figures, Bertolt Brecht and Antonin Artaud. Um, Bertolt Brecht's epic theatre and Antonin Artaud's theatre of cruelty. Both of those were um, geared towards um, getting rid of, uh, how can I put it, it's sort of a theatre without spectators, so there isn't um, there isn't people on stage and people in the audience. They're all together. There's something happening. There's a community exchange happening. People are, um, are actively participating in what they're saying on stage. Um, so what we refer to as the fourth wall, dividing the actors with the spectators, is actively um, smashed through, and uh, we, we're sort of um, we're, we're pulled into whatever dramatic um, orbit they've created on stage. And we all know Bertolt Brecht is a political um, theatre uh, uh, maker, so um, or maker of plays. So you know when you watch Mother Courage, you're supposed to sort of um, uh, identify with and feel um, impassioned by her struggle and plight, and maybe. Um, compare that with what's happening with capitalism and Marxism. I'm not so familiar with Brecht, but I imagine that that's the idea. And with Antonin Artaud, um, his was more to do with, um, I guess, 
outrage, smashing something. I mean, I mean that, that would have been, that's usually the oppositional mode people operating within the avant-garde were adopting because obviously there's this, this um, monolith called the bourgeoisie which needs to be smashed. And so Arto, who was actually quite mad because he, he was interned at a, the mental institution called Rodez, um, before this internment wrote this book, um, I can't remember quite the title, but the idea was that theatre, it should be experienced. If somebody is shot on stage, they should be shot. If somebody is slapped, they should really be slapped. And the idea was to awaken the, the audience from this sort of um, um, sort of um, this suspension of disbelief and um, uh, escapism that, you know, that you should be Make political. it more real. Yeah, make, make them more politically active. So, you know, if, the, if you're at work and you go to see a play, you shouldn't be forgetting about what's happened to you at work. If you're a worker and your, 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 your foreman's abusing you, that work, that, that, that theatre play should activate you. You should be saying, I'm coming out of this theatre, we're going to go straight to our boss, he's not going to abuse us anymore. We are power. Which makes, makes the play real, because it's affected them to do something in their real yeah. life. Well, it, it doesn't make it a play anymore, it makes it right. like... Um, yeah. It makes it something else. No, I do. Uh, I, I do understand what you're saying. That's, I think that's well, and, well put. And uh, I think the reason why people are criticising it, and I think Jacques Rancier puts it quite eloquent, eloquently as well, is that implicit in this is this um, patronising idea that spectators are that there is a binary um, uh, um, uh, um, how can I, arrangement in spectators. So you're either passive or you're active. And the idea is that if you're watching a play, then you're passive. And so people f- sort of thought, well, why, why, why does that mean somebody's passive if they're just watching and enjoying a play? And why do they have to be activated your way? And in a way, it it's sort of um, speaks to something that scholarly elites are guilty of, which is um, preaching to the working classes, the man, the, the working class man who people imagine as being oppressed and needing to be saved but needing to be saved by scholarly elites going into the working classes, educating them about their plight, telling them how they can liberate themselves, and then leading them to liberation. But you're worried it's, part, it's patronising. Yeah, basically. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the, the suburbanites, bourgeoisie suburbanites, right? Um, and they need to be awakened out of this stupor. So somewhere in the middle, there's a scholarly elite who know exactly how the world should be and are going to make a piece of work that's going to make you realise this is what needs to be done. So somehow this discourse, this idea of activation has come into contemporary art. So when people talk about participation in contemporary art or uh, political activation, uh, somehow they've co-opted this debate from theatre, which I think is suspect anyway. Um, So then when when people are talking about Rick Ritiavanija's you know giving people food and things somehow that has a kind of political connotation or that should um allow that that should um heal the the uh, social bonds that's um that's uh, been uh, sort of broken by late capitalism and uh, different things m- moving us away from a communistic ideal so it's quite convoluted and even though nobody is specifically saying they're communists and we need to all live together or that uh, um, they're necessarily activating someone. It's it's almost like just this th- that discourse has floated down and has re-emerged in the sort of. You um, mean you feel a bit like the artwork that you've described with the giving out of food to people is yeah. a bit um, like an illustration of the theory, maybe. Yeah, in, or, in, a, in a kind of literal, rather literal yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what critics. Um, were um, railing against, really. And, I mean, if you look at someone like um, Santiago Sierra, who um, seems to mimic uh, the 
the the techniques or the methods used by late capitalists well, by exploiters by exploiters yeah um he seemed to use those same techniques in his artworks but somehow we're allowed it, there's this uns, there's this idea that the people participating in the works somehow come to a realization so of what's exploited. happening they're not, but but being exploited that you know that they're, they're activated um there's a piece of work he did called los penetrados which is a lot of different people having anal sex with each other and um it was supposed to be a commentary on um Colonialization. I mean, it's it, what's really di- what's strange about this is that we start we start talking about a work of art, and we already know what it's saying before we're talking about it. And that's another problem I have with some forms of political art is that in order for you to recognise that it's political, you have to be aware of the political thing it's telling you about in the first so place. So you know anyway. So you already know, yeah. Um, so but that's not really what I was kind of no, going no. into. In, in sure. the, um, I wasn't. You, just, you mentioned Claire yeah. Bishop, yeah, and as well, didn't you? Her, her book, Antagonism and Relational Aesthetics. No, so, her essay, essay, essay. Beg yeah. pardon. Beg pardon. Yeah, and and that's and and, she, and so she she fits in with Jacques Rancière. As yeah, a, it seems like those are the, the, that I could find. Those were the two sort of like standout texts that really like called in, called this, um, called into question what people were doing with this idea of activation. And um, you know the phys- the spectator being activated by physically engaged works. So Jacques Rancière was really talking about look, this this idea of um, activating the spectator. Let's get rid of this. You know everybody's active all the time. We're all constructing um, our realities as we move along. It's not a, a life isn't a passive activity. If necessary, we're all active. If you have to frame it in those words. Um, and what. Um, Claire Bishop seemed to be doing was just calling to account what was happening with Nicola, Nicola Borio and this, this idea of relational aesthetics, which I think a lot of people felt suspicious of, but strangely, not strangely, but I think nobody had the time to, to put it eloqu- as eloquently as Claire Bishop did. And, and, you, know. you also mentioned, um, um, this may not link quite, I'm not sure, but you, very shortly after what you've just been talking about in the, in the piece, um, you talk about um, a disdain for the transcendental art encounter. Yeah, have I made a leap there? No, no. So basically, one of the well, I was saying, um, why, why is it that uh, when addressing who is the people being addressed when we're talking about participation? So we know that it's physical engagement, and we know that the spectator needs to be activated. But the spectator isn't a specific individual. The spectator um, stands in for a collective of people. So. So the masses or or the people, you know, yeah. um, and I'm saying that I, I felt like um, uh, tr- in privileging physical engagement, it's almost another way of rejecting romanticism. And let's say whatever happened in um, uh, abstract expressionism, the idea that interior, you know, somebody's externalization of their interior state was what was valuable about art. So if you go and see a painting and it's like an emotional state writ large, that's what's amazing. Do you see what I mean? And I feel like people... Are, they're saying no to that. Yeah, it's almost a rejection of what happened before. And because they've rejected that, they've thrown out the baby with the bathwater in a way and said, well, that's why we're stuck in this place where we're talking about the physically extended world, we're talking about material substance, and we're talking about how people interact in the world. And we're not necessarily talking about... People's well, it's hard to see. I feel slightly embarrassed talking about it. It's like we're not talking about people's minds, you know, we're not talking about how people think and maybe encouraging them to think different ways or how to use their intellectual capacity. It's just more about um, moving things or or receiving something. Yeah, one's passive and one is active, isn't it? I mean, the act you you sound like you're wanting activity. 
the, the viewer, but, but not to tell them what to think, but to help encourage their imaginations and their... Yeah, I'm saying, you know, that it's obvious, even though, even though people have said, we're talk, when you talk about uh, the mind-body problem, and we're talking about Rene Descartes, he says, uh, I think before I am. So from think from rationalizing something, he's saying he knows he exists because he's thinking. So he's a thinking thing. But whether or not he has a body, he can doubt that. So thought is privileged for him. So it's like an intellectual thing. But later on, that's disproved. And we say that's nonsense. But it's almost as if saying in doing away with that idea, we're doing away with the idea that people have subjective interior experiences, which I think people do. So I think, why not? If we're talking about participation, it shouldn't just be physical. It should be intellectual. And that's what basically, from that basis, from what we're sort of talking about, the, the critics of participation and the three different forms of physical participation, that's where I went into talking about um, intellectual engagement. You talk about literature, don't you, as yeah. well? And, yeah. I mean, in terms of, say, reading something. I mean, I, it's like a kind of comparative... Uh, where the experience of the imagination is yeah, so similar. What, what I should say, yeah, basically what I should say is that after talking about the three different types of participation that are accepted at the moment and talking about the critics of um, uh, physical participation and the, the idea of activation and the spectator, I introduced the idea of imaginative engagement. And what I'm, it sounds flighty and it sounds new age, but it isn't. It's just <laughs> basically what I was talking about was saying that... Um, uh, let's talk about imagination first. So what I based, how I defined imagination, uh, I said uh, that imagination is a term used to describe an individual's ability to creatively visualise and emotionally engage with events in the mind. Yep. So if I say, OK, Matt, think of a pink elephant with wings flying in the Andes. Have you got it? I've, no, when you said the Andes, it came <laughs> into my mind. OK, OK. What you're doing there is you're taking... You've got pink, then you've got an elephant, and you've got wings, and you've got the Andes, and you're forming those together to make a complex idea in your mind. And a the way it actually came as a picture. Yeah, and you're uh, able to do that because of your imaginative capacity, right? Thank you very much. You've never seen that, and you probably never will <laughs> I see hope that. I don't. <laughs> but um, that, another thing that's helpful for us to think about imagination is that the way you were able to do that was by using your memory and linking things that are in your memory that you've seen. That I have seen, or in, in reality, that, yeah, somewhere. constructing it. And I was saying... It was interesting to me because if you look at film, we understand um, how people have used this capacity to make things more interesting. And one of the people who does it is um, Alfred Hitchcock. So in Psycho, you know, we never see the knife go in, but it's suggested, but, it, but we never see it. So we think we see it. We, we construct it with our imaginative um, capacity. So what I was saying was there are artists that I've seen who are using this capacity uh, who are sort of provoking us to use um, our imaginative capacity to complete artworks in the same way that physical um, physical participation is needed in the strands of participation I talked about earlier, intellectual capacity is needed um, to be able to complete these other different artworks. And what, what I mean by that, I don't mean um, sort of, by intellectual, I don't mean um, sort of esoteric ideas, somebody who's capable of talking about complex ideas or thinking about them. I just mean using the mind. So 
if you couldn't imagine, if you weren't able to do to think of that pink elephant flying in the Andes, you wouldn't be able to complete these works in the same way that if you couldn't move, you wouldn't be able to um, activate that interactive artwork that necess- necessarily needed you to touch it and, or and, move something. And just to just to, uh, say a paint, if it, just compare it to experience the difference in the experience of what you talk about and uh, and say looking at a painting. Yeah. Okay. So if you go or a photograph, yeah. anything visual, really, I suppose. If you look at a painting, um, okay, so this is where we run into problems. Well, I'm not trying to throw a problem. No, 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 in, so no, don't, no. Don't let me spoil no, the flow. No, 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 I'm just saying, um, you know, just so people out there don't think, oh, he's just talking, you know, nonsense. It, the, you, it, it, rather than thinking you could say this about any art. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all art needs requires some form of imagination, just the way all art um, work requires a form of participation. You need to be there. Um, but if you look at a painting, if you didn't have the ability to imagine the pink elephant in the Andes, you could still like the painting because it's in front of you and yeah. it's going to affect you in the same way that it w- you don't have to imagine as, the painting. as it is. It is there. Yeah, yes. it's a physical yeah. thing. Okay. That's, a what physical I to, that's what I wanted to yeah. make clear. Okay. But, but um, you talk about artists who, whose work you've, you've found doing w- w- this thing of the imaginative participation of the, v- the viewer. Yeah. And, and the first one you mentioned is, um, I'm, I'm probably going to say it wrong, is it Marilyn Dykeman? It's Marilyn Dykeman. Marilyn Dykeman. Sorry, yeah. I knew I'd get that wrong. Yeah, so one of the things that I was saying that happens is that in, when artists do this, they, they, they sort of, it, it's called a stimulus removal. So they remove a feature that should be in an artwork, that you'd expect to be in an artwork. And in that way, they, they sort of um, provoke your imaginative capabilities to fill the work in. Um, and in Mary Lyne's work, she shot a, um, a loop of just this um, barren island shore. There was nothing on it. And um, over that, uh, she played these um, different loops of audio that she'd taken from different films at the point, seafaring films at the point in which um, the island discoverer or the pirates came across the the island. So they were talking about this island and saying, oh, my God, there's cannibals or there's trees. And obviously it's not, they're not there. They're actually not in the images that I'm being presented as the viewer. Yeah, all you can see is one shore, but it's all, you're, you're... you're engaging with it because you sort of you conjure you up kind of these add, images. I mean, you kind of add them to the island you're yeah, looking at it's, it's, because they're saying that there are trees. So you yeah. you see trees yeah, yeah. where I there mean, are no trees, yeah, as I, it were. And I mean, you don't you, you know you're not hallucinating, but you you feel your mind is being coaxed into having the right emotional. And response. then another and then another soundtrack comes along with another description, with another or description. some other kind of sound. Yeah, exactly. Atmosphere coming on that's so different from minute to minute. It can be the island is like a happy place, and the next minute it's a terrible place, and you know. The the way you perceive it, yeah, and as changing. you look, you'll go through those the different emotional yeah. Yeah. and imaginative situations. Yeah. That, that work was called "Surviving New Land." Yeah, that's right. Two thousand nine, wasn't it? A twenty-minute loop video. Yeah, and then the, the second artist I talked about was someone, uh, another a Dutch person called um, Manon de Boer, and her work was really that was amazing because. You could say it was subtly inflected in Marilyn Dykeman's work, but in her um, exhibition at the South London Gallery, Manon de Boer did it with all of her artworks. And uh, one of them uh, in particular um, was sort of masterful, it was like a tour de force, really. And what you saw was a dancer listening to some music and uh, internalising it. And then the music stops and you see her think about the music and you see her almost, she's replaying the music in her mind and then she begins to dance to it. So... What you can feel, she's imagine she's reconstructing it from her memory reserve, right? Which is what we do when we use imagination. And then what happens is the screen goes black, and we can just hear her voice, and the, we can just hear her like gasping for breath and the sound of her feet on the floor. So what happens is a viewer then 
reconstructs the scene from what you've seen previously. You're imagining the movement she's making. You, you can, you're visualising yes, it. Yes. So she coaxes you to do that. And then as you move through the exhibition, different artworks did that in different ways. And it, 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 it suddenly became easier for you to, to use this capacity. It wasn't like such a great leap. As soon as it was called for, you just sort of did it. You right. know? So that was really, really exciting. Yeah, because that's... Um, you couldn't argue that, that, is, that the viewer didn't play a major role... Exactly. I mean, you, you, because, I mean, I mean, I, I know that if we if we ran the video and nobody was in the room, yeah. it's happening. We know it's happening. We yeah. can assume that the machine doesn't break down when we close the door. But in a way, you know, when a painting's left hanging in a gallery, we know that the painting's just the same mm, whether mm. we're there or not, don't we? Whereas this is not going to be the same, is it? Because it's exactly. I mean, the, the way I view the, dark, kind of, the artwork literally gets in your is in your head. Is in you, yeah. And that's well, it's interesting because I had a look at the word participation and um, like the etymology of participation. Uh, I'm not going to be able to tell you where it comes <laughs> from because I can't remember. But I think it was Middle English, and I think they were saying like, "Oh, Chaucer, who seems to be the first for a lot of tech words." site says it in Canterbury Tales or something but one of the things that they did make reference to was that it was to share and that it, like, there's one instance of its use in the Bible where it's like partaking of the body of Christ so it's the idea that you're, you're eating to participate is you're ingesting you're, you're taking part in the work um, or, or you're somehow the work is becoming part of you and I felt that with um, uh, Manon de Boer's work with that dancer it, it, it has become part of me. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm saying it eloquently enough, but I, I'm making it. It's, I'm sharing in it. I'm sort of, um, yeah. I'm sort of ingesting it. I'm, I'm struggling to articulate just, it in the best way. You mentioned way, the but, eating yeah. of the bread. I'm not. Yeah. Listen, I'm not. I'm not um, a scholar on religion in any way. No, and I know you're not suggesting that this work <laughs> is, but it is not. It's not a religious. You're not describing a religious experience in the way that you know the imagination of eating the body of Christ is. Is is no, no. I'm just. You know, it's not the same thing. No, no, I'm just saying that, um, you know, we, when we talk about participation, we just think about someone who gets in the line and walks forward and does something that he's supposed to do. And I'm saying that it's got this other interesting correlation, which is to do with ingesting and, and, and that becoming part of your body. And um, so if you eat the bread, then the Christ becomes part of you because you're eating it. And I'm sort of saying, in this artwork, you're, you're sort of <laughs> eating the artwork. Yeah, yeah. It's becoming part of you. Because you, you do use those two examples mm. uh, and, and write more about them than, than you're saying. Mm. But and hopefully people will read that in, mm. in, the, in the magazine. But um, you then say, you, you then go back in a way, to, slightly, to talk about why this... That you say there's reasons for the lack of non-physical engagement in considerations of participatory art can be found, and then you say, uh, w- why? Why do you think this, what you've just described, is not been a- as active? There's not been so much work like that, or it's not been accepted, or just, is that what you're saying? You're saying it hasn't. There isn't much of it well, going on. This kind of thing. I, I think there's a number of reasons, really, because. Um, but they're, they're sort of hard to put. I mean, they're sort of suspicions, really. I you mean, use the word private. Okay, yeah. So you? private experience, like, I, like I'm not a philosopher. I have a layman's grasp of philosophy, so I'll probably say something wrong. So for all the philosophers out there, <laughs> I apologise. But it's this idea that private experience doesn't exist. You know, in a way, I feel like almost if I think about Ludwig Wittgenstein and what I know of him through third-hand experience, is that he was saying. The world is an extent is extended. 
that you know my conception of the world, the way I think, is necessarily extended. I, I can't. I can't think of the world in a different way than how it's embodied. So basically, if I say door, language is about labelling things. Um, so basically, he was saying there isn't some place inside me that's not communicable to you. But for me, I there's another thing called qualia, right? Which is um, people talk about this thing called qualia, like neuroscientists. And the idea of qualia is this... Um, uh, subjective experience of, um, let's say, physical extended matter, physical matter, or emotional states. So if I look at red, yeah, and you look at red, I'm going to have a completely different emotional response to that than you are, or associative response. There may be different events that have happened in my life that um, that, that sort of um, cause me to think about it in a different way. Uh, so yeah, um, I guess I was just sort of saying. Well, it's really, really. There's there's a long lineage of it, but I think it begins with Rene Descartes and the idea that the mind and body are separate things. And then people saying that's not true. And then Ludwig Wittgenstein saying there is no private um, experience. And also Maurice Merleau-Ponty saying, look, to experience is to experience through the body. So people have just forgotten about the idea of the mind. Yeah. But I think that you know we should be looking at what's happening intellectually. We should be looking at how people's memories are structured, which is what happens when you have to think about how you think about things. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think intellectual... Oh, well, I just think... Um, it's, it's difficult to say why I think... Uh, well, you've I, written it down. Yeah, so, 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 so don't worry. You know, you've done incredibly well. <laughs> yeah. uh, saying a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, yeah. you covered, you covered most of your article, but there, there is a, a more in, in detailed information and examples. Yeah. And, and you are... And, 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 and the end, I mean, I, 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 as I remember, the, the last line is, um, you know... It, you say it also. I'm probably going to start reading it at the wrong point, but I want to say it because it's intellectual participation via the channels of imagination not only opens up new possibilities for the creation of art and artwork viewer inclusivity, it also orients attention towards a realm of consideration that is rapidly disappearing in the 21st century that of private experience. Yeah. Well, listener, we hope you have been having a good private listen to this program at the other end of wherever you are. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And Morgan, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you, Matt. And uh, we will do another program, I'm sure, in the future. This is Art Monthly on Resident 104.4 FM saying goodbye.